When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glazer, a mental health podcast helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Chapman gang, welcome to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer. And before we get to today's guest, who's a very close friend of mine, you guys are all going to love to hear. If you're like many people, you may be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year, yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. Like I said, very close friend of mine and one of the funniest people on the planet. Look, this is a mental health and, and mental wealth podcast also, because people don't see the work people put in in our a rise to success. It's all those hours you put in when no one's watching that makes you successful. And my guy that I'm bringing in here is who's my walking antidepressant really is my guy, David Spade. How you yeah. doing, buddy? It's very good to see you, Jay. I think this is on Zoom. You can see this thing, right? Yes, but can we so, see you on uh, your podcast? It's good that I look 10 look, out of 10. Yes, Actually, you look buff, you look swole. Solo flex <laughs> all morning. You, uh, so you, I know that your workout used to be the shake weight. Have you given that up? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's scary when it gets toward the front. <laughs> hey, gals. Yeah, uh, the shake weight sort of uh, came and went. It didn't stick around too long, but it well, was it's fun stuck around for a too while. Long, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't work out as hard as people think. I'm naturally buff. I um, I just do five crunches a day, whether I'm in the mood or not. I plow through. And then that's it. But I think I'm just a wispy comic. I'm going to keep it that way. I don't, I'm not going to compete with Rogan and those guys. So you found your brand. You found your name. I found my brand, which is like always about to black out. I'm just malnutrition. So so we want to make people laugh today. We want to, you know, also kind of get inside of the mind of a a comic, Mm -hmm. comedian. What's the difference? 
Is it comedian or comic? I don't know. I think oh. I'll, I'll take both. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Both for 500, Alex. Like I said, people don't see. So here I'm with Spade. We'd hang out a lot in LA. And almost every night he would say, wait, either in the middle of dinner or after dinner, before dinner, wait, we got to go stop off and go do a, he's got to go practice his craft. Basically we're going to one of the comedy clubs yeah. and he's doing it. And people have no ideas showing up and it's pretty much every night. And, you know, I think that is a good lesson for everybody. They, they think to you, well, you're successful and you just, okay, I just show up for things I get booked for, but instead you work at your craft every freaking night. No one sees that. Yeah. I mean, to your point of like, mentally it does help me because I think people ask if you're still scared to get on stage. I do have a fear, but it's mostly a fear of you get nerves and it's mostly you don't want to disappoint the crowd, especially if they're paying to see you. If this is the only time they've ever seen you, you know, you worry about your reputation. You want to be good. And so if I'm going on tour or if I'm out in the road, I'm doing a tour right now and it's theaters they're paying, they're getting a babysitter, they're driving, it's a total hassle. You know, it's a fun night out, but I want to do the best I can and I owe it to the crowd to go practice because I obviously think I'm great and everything. But, you know, when you go out, <laughs> I get scared. I'm like, I haven't done this. It's like taking your act out for a walk. I have to try something. I have to do something a little new. I have to just keep doing it because there's connective tissue between jokes where I don't remember how this one gets into that one and it just shows like, it looks like amateur hour. So when it's a fun night, I do an hour or so. It's smooth. It's easy. That's what it's supposed to look like, but it's actually hard to get to that point. How do you handle when you bomb? I bombed very recently. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. I, I had been doing the regular tour and now and then you do corporate stuff. And that's, that's kind of fun. It's challenging because you almost never do well. It's an inside joke with comedians. Right. You get paid a little better. But, you know, they bring you somewhere and say, okay, this is my company. And it's, you know, it's, it's actually like a rich CEO that's probably around our age. Right. And they have all this money now. And they're like, I just want to bring one of my buddies that I see on TV, bring him in. It's like a fun thing. Right. And then you meet everybody and you say hi. And then you do some stand-up. It all means well. It's just tough sometimes. Right. Because right. before you go on, they go, hey, some random drunk guy grabs you and goes, Say something about the uh, VP of sales. He's got three balls and beats his wife. <laughs> work it in, work it in. It'll, it'll kill. And so anyway, I do this one. It's at 6 p.m. It's in like a lit, almost a cafeteria that, you know, they don't, they don't really do shows. They don't know. I don't have a mic stand. I go out and, you know, you never keep it too dirty. I'm not too dirty, but unlike me, right? You're filthy. <laughs> and, but I think everyone knows that. Yes. And so, uh, your act is filthy. <laughs> I could see you on TV just like editing as you go because you're like, I can't say that. I can't it's say that. It's the only time I don't curse is when the, I mean, I was myself. about to say, I yeah. can't believe you get through a one minute bit. How, uh, how long used to have a, a little thing, a fuck meter in our meetings for uh -oh. Sunday? And I didn't know it. And he'd like press, press, press. And all yeah. of a sudden, one day they're all laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? He's like, 71. I'm like, 71 what? The fuck yeah. you all laughing at? 72. And then it turns out. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, we have a fuck meter counter for Glazer in our meetings. They're like, how do you not curse on TV? I'm like, well, I don't want to get fired. I think Matt Lauer had a fuck meter. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, so I do this thing. It's totally like a cafeteria. Time. It's too lit. <laughs> I, and I, it's funny because I just came from Nashville where I did one of my favorite shows at the Ryman and it was so fun and everything was working. And then I literally four days later, I'm just going, I remember finishing a joke going, 
You guys, it's not good news. That's the end of the joke, and you don't even know it. You're oh just my like God. this. They did meetings all day, and instead of doing like a dinner and some drinks, and then I come on when they're a little loosey goosey, right. it's like, hey guys, before you go to the dinner you were promised, <laughs> we've got an hour of this asshole. And they're like, oh, oh, we're still here. And then, uh, okay, uh, wait, he's wait. Gonna... So how do you how do you handle it? How do you mentally deal? It's with very that? tough. You know, the tough part there is if you're a stand up and you're if you don't do well, it's hard to explain. It's like a horse getting spooked where all you can think of is like, should I go? Should I skip this one? Should I go to that one? Why didn't that work? What's going on? And it's, and that's taking the real estate in your head instead of what's next. So it's very hard to go plow through your act when the side, side thought is like, wait, I, I, I probably shouldn't even do this one. Wait, I'm looking at my set list for one second and go, I got to jump ahead. This one won't work. Oh, they don't seem like that. I got to go a little slower because they're not hearing me. Is this sound you're re- good? You're wrestling with yourself as you're up there. Yeah. And it's right. kind of, it's almost kind of amusing because it's such a challenge and it checks you that you don't always kill and you're not so uh, great. Here's where I also think you're different than most comedians. And I've been around a lot of them. Thanks to you. Yeah. And I tried my, my hand at also at the, back in the day in New York city, right? In 1990. Mm-hmm. 91, 92, long ago. It, man, it's so, I way rather step in a cage and get kicked by <laughs> the Dells of the world yeah. than stand up there so naked and just like, man, a lot of times I feel out of control. But you are one of the only guys I'm around who's funny naturally when we hang out. Like, this is not an act mm-hmm. right here. You're always funny. Where most of them are real introverted, but I, I understand why. Like, if someone's constantly walking up to you going, hey, make me laugh. Hey, tell me yeah. a joke. It's like to an accountant. Hey, do my taxes right here. Hey, give me a tip. Like, yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to be out in public. It's There's just a huge difference between you and everybody else. Well, there's a nice part of it, too, because when people see you, like if I was at the Venetian this weekend, when they see you, they kind of light up like they go, oh, this is the guy. It reminds them of something fun or a, a movie they saw, a TV show. So that part's nice about it. Uh, it's hard to always be funny. And, you know, some people want it or if they meet you, they yeah. want I mean, I was out with a, a, a woman I used to date, and she she would always laugh. She goes, you say literally almost nothing, and the waiter laughs, and it's so embarrassing <laughs> because these are like C-minus jokes. I'm like, is the butter cold? They're like, ah. And she's like, it's not even a fucking joke, dude. And they're like, oh, they're, you're already halfway there to get a laugh whenever people see you, so you don't have to do much. But I do think that some comics, you have to extract it from them because they're very – introverted but you know comics are sort of known for being nuts and right. which is a word we don't use here but um you know what i mean like they're we known... can use it here it's it's okay. better help we're good <laughs> okay but you know to not make to make light of it which is actually underneath it it's a little serious that they have struggles but so does everyone so i think comics get a rap of oh they have the hardest lives and that's how it comes out in their comedy but I just think it is it is some form of therapy to talk about things in your life that are tough and try to spin them in a positive get something out of it. Hmm. I never thought know? about that way. So do you think a lot of you think more of them are introverted because people are constantly asking them to laugh, or do you think that's how they normally are and we just see the therapeutic version on stage? I think they were uh they're damaged goods by the time you see them. They're like built on shifty sand and it's always a house of cards. They, they, wow. There's some that are more cuckoo than others, but I think I'm 
weird, but I'm not quite as obviously crazy as some of these people. Um, but I hang out with almost you, only you, you don't think so, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely not. That's not ask anyone. Uh, but it's 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 a little more cloaked than the obvious, like right, uh, right, right. you know. Right. I mean, there's yeah. some that, but I think that's interesting in people, and I think it's interesting than more than being so like Marlon Blando. I just don't want someone that's so average. And comedians are very weird. They make me laugh, but sometimes it's such dark humor and such right. this. But it's all funny to me, and I think I'm gravitated to people that are really funny and really like off kilter a bit. Those are that's where I laugh the hardest usually. I've never asked you mm-hmm. when was your big break or, or how'd you get it, and what's the what's the conversation when you're like, oh man, okay, like this is what I worked so hard for. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great. You see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, We have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.
you know, it, it, there was so, there was so many micro breaks that maybe you had this happen where doing stand up and doing amateur hour and being invited back. That was like, I did an amateur night and the guy goes, ah, I like the way you mumbled your jokes in between your jokes. And I'm like, I don't remember doing it. He goes, you'd say a joke and then, uh, you'd comment on how it didn't work. And he goes, he was like, you know what? You can come back next week if you want. I'm like, oh my God. That was like a little bit of a push in the right direction of like, I didn't do good at all. But he goes, I just like that little part. And then that's where I built my rest of my whole career on that. So where, where was I, that? Where, where that was it? That was at Chuckles in Scottsdale, Arizona. Okay. Right. And uh, Chuckles was like dumpy little comedy club, but it was a big so deal. That, where, did you get your start in Scottsdale? Yeah. Okay. All As right. I, Told, yeah, as I, I told Colin Quinn, I go, uh, he's a comic. I said, I was doing it back in Arizona before there was a big comedy scene. He goes, so you're saying there's a big comedy scene there now? I go, no, no. Well, there is a, <laughs> a very good point. somewhat of a scene. I mean, most comics live in New York and LA because you get to go on a lot. You can go to right. different clubs, Laugh Factory, Improv, Comedy Store. And New York has even more. That's why it's hard to like move to Austin or move to Nashville that are all enticing places that sound fun. But where do you rotate on a lot every night in practice? Right. So back to, I did it. I was 18. All my friends were in college. I stayed and went to community college, not because I was too smart, but uh, because I couldn't get into any college. So I did. Didn't, didn't you also transfer and you played football at Phoenix College online? Is that true? You know, I was a walk-on <laughs> and then they told me to walk off. <laughs> so we both got jokes. <laughs> yeah, anyone can walk on. This summer uh, are allowed to keep playing. Yeah, I play football online. I play fantasy. I play a mean fantasy football. Yes, you do. Which right, is so stressful. So I I go to this comedy club and see someone. And I was so blown out by the fact they could do an hour of just talking. I'm like, this guy, I've never been to a comedy I've only seen, you know, on Johnny Carson or Leno or Letterman do six minutes. And I'm like, is this guy making this shit up? It's, it's so smooth. And so I go, I would love to try it. No one was around. My friends were all gone. And it's first time, you know, high school, you have so many people around you at all times. There's always something to do. College, I leave. So I was, I go, I want to do something different. I'm bored. And I, I said, can I try this? And it was so fucking terrifying to go in there. And I had a few notes and I'm like, you only get three minutes. It seems like five hours. I just go blah, blah, blah. And then I get off and they go, right, you can do it next week if you want. I'm like, really? And so I did it. And then I got the bug. That was Ebola. Um, no, I got the uh, comedy bug. And so I went and um, started doing it more. And then I just said, I just want to do this, whether I make any well, money What was not. that? What was that? Break? What was that? Hey, was SNL your first? Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm taking too long. I, I got that little break. So I started getting like these amateur nights. You just go on. Then a break was, a, a big one was driving out to LA, staying with some comics. And they said, why don't you audition at the comedy store in the improv? And I was 19 and I, or 20. And I said, shit, I don't know if I'm ready. Louis Anderson, bless his heart, saw me and said, I, I know some other comics, you know, if you want, I can get you in the comedy store. I went there, did pretty good. He walked out on the sidewalk on sunset. I go there all the time now. I'm at the comedy store all the time. I remember right where I was standing and he goes, he comes out and he goes, yeah, she didn't like you. Oh, go, my oh God. fuck, really? And he goes, and I did pretty good. I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah, I'm sorry. And I'm like, that was Mitzi Shore, the owner of the comedy store. So that's final work. 
So I get my uh, confidence back after a few weeks, and my other friend said, I'll try you at the improv. I go to the improv, and they say, the guy goes, yeah, you can call in for spots. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they go, you did it. That, that's, that means you passed. Wow. So we go to the corner to do a shot. I'm 20, and they know Bruce Willis from Moonlighting, and I always love Bruce Willis, especially then. I do now. And he goes, oh, I'll buy you a shot for your, for your making it. And this is wow. me, 20, and there's a star. Wow. We go to do a shot, and the waiter goes, do you have ID? And I go, it's in the car? <laughs> and he goes, do you have a car? I go, it's in the shop. And so <laughs> he, they took it away, and everyone sort of dissipated. I go, wait. So To celebrate got, your big night with Bruce Willis, they yep. took your shot away. Yeah. Oh, and my I was God. Like, and then I got an audition for a movie, and my second break was Police Academy 4. I was 20. I didn't know how to act. I went in for the audition, and they said, you know what? It was a happy accident. They go, we don't have the script here. It'll be here in an hour. You know, just you're a skateboarder. You're, you're 21. Just say some stuff. Just go. And it was so lucky. Because script, I would have been like this. I don't know what to do with the script. I would just read it. I would just read it and look up at the end and go, and they go, you don't know what you're doing. So you couldn't tell I didn't know what I was doing because I was just making up stuff and it looked smooth. They gave me the job. I went to Toronto, played a skateboarder, came back with my money, and I had cleared six grand. I bought a car, drove it to the improv, and it was stolen an hour later. No! And that was another hit the wall. Whoa! Talk about your unbreakable moments. I was right. like, ah. Oh. So I just did 10 weeks on a movie, and I'm back to zero. Wow. And I don't have a car. So I hit up Bobcat, who was in the movie, Bobcat Goldthwait, who did me a solid. He said, I'll lend you six grand to get another car. Wow. And pay me back when you can. Wow. And I'm going to pay him back soon. <laughs> uh, I just want to get a little face. <laughs> when you face. make it. Right, yeah. when you make it. <laughs> um, get a foundation. Actually, I, I paid about three somehow after about a year or two. And then I, I was so embarrassed, I went to another comedian and got six. Or three, and I paid him yeah. off. And then I had to owe him. And that took a while. So you really started the Ponzi scheme. I really started. And then I went to Bernie Madoff, and I said, here's how you do it. But, so, yeah, it's, it was very tricky to stay on my feet and keep my head together. But really, it's about I've got no place else to go, like, like officer to gentleman. I, had, I don't have any three. I've picked comedy. And like a lot of people that say, oh, I'm going to go to L.A., I give it a year. I wouldn't even do that because it's more like you just pick it and that's it. Because in a year, there ain't shit that's going to happen. So I would say, okay, in a year, if you're 1% better than last year, like you had one audition, you're going the right way. If the next year you actually got an agent, but you only have two auditions, but now you have an agent. These are all the stepping stones where you have to get. So instead of doing it, I'm sorry, cut you off because that's so great though. But I think what most people do is they look at it week by week. You, right? And they compare themselves week by week and they beat up on themselves too much. They get too hard. You did it year by year. Yeah. And you can't help but beat yourself up week by week. That's a true competitor. And I get that. That's what I was. And in, in showbiz, like almost anything, you're fighting age. They always like you better if you're an actor, actress at 20, then, you know, look at Euphoria, look at all these shows and look at you age out of things. And, uh, 
I'm an old uh, white guy and I'm, you know, supposedly rich. I'm literally like an Exxon board member. I'm the worst case enemy of the world. <laughs> like they're like everything we hate and everyone, everyone's complaints are coming this way. It's like, uh, so I just sit back and, and I'm lucky I got this far, but that was a hard thing to just keep going. Car stolen, new car, no frills, barely eating, just grinding out gigs and writing and trying to be good at the thing I picked because there's no real saving. I don't need richness in the family. Like I don't have the fallback, like, all right, my uncle, sorry, I had to do this, but I need 10 K. It was like, nobody. I remember one guy that was my friend's brother. And I tell him this, I remind him he wanted being a comedian, the kid and a good guy. And his, his brother was rich for us. Cause I think he had a Camaro. Right. We were uh, in Arizona going, this fucking guy's got a Z28. We should all kill him and take all his money. You know, he was like, he was rich. He probably had about four grand in the bank. I said, if you, I came to him with a proposition. If I was probably 19 or 20. If you get me the shittiest apartment in LA and the crummiest car, I will give you 15% of everything for the rest of my life. I said, I'll write it really? up. I'll do anything you say. And he passed. And then he passed smartly. But then about... Not, not years, really. Not four years smart. ago, four years ago, he goes, Hey, can we still get in on that deal? Is that still going? I'll drop it to 10. Oh my God. And, cool. uh, that was funny because I remember saying, and then I saw him later and he goes, Remember? I go, Oh my God. That's right. He goes, I just should have jumped on it. It wouldn't have cost him that much, but it was risky. Uh, so getting yeah, into pretty- the improv, getting a movie and then got an agent off the movie and a manager. And then it was a grind to get on the HBO Young Comedian special. So then, so then you're building your team, though, at least. Right? Yeah. That's the thing. No. So over time, you, you build your team. So how long and what point did you finally get, let's say, a break where, okay, I, got, I can exhale. I got some stability and security. My life has changed. God, that took a while because HBO Young Comedian I want people special. to hear this and understand this. Yeah. Yeah. They passed on me for three years in a row. Now, I'm wow. an act, actual young comedian, and I'm doing well. For the circuit, for bubbling under, like, you know, people like football players, you know, you're like, keep an eye on this guy. And they keep passing on me. It's like the draft. I'm fucking Will Levis over there going, I didn't get it again. And then they're like, oh, we took Richard Belzer. I'm like, I'm a young comedian. He's 77. So, so I don't get, don't get it. And then I finally, Dennis Miller's the host. He pushes them to let me be the sixth guy instead of five on the last time I didn't get it. We do it. SNL sees that. Wow. I get an audition for SNL. Now I get on SNL, but I'm a writer performer, which is why I said uh, writer's guild. Because so you're now writer, writer. Not on, you're not on camera yet. No, but they really? say that's how Chevy Chase. That's how a lot of these guys do it. You write yourself on, but you got to write for Dana Carvey. You got to write for everyone first. So I'm like shit. So I said okay, and I don't want to write for anyone. And I don't know how to write for anyone. So now I'm at the lowest totem pole on the best place. And that was really pulling my hair out. And uh, then I got through that. Wait, how, how long did it take for you to write yourself on and get your first? It took about camera. three years. Three years? To I didn't get, know this. No, I was on camera here and there, but I couldn't get, they kept saying, I don't know if we're going to keep you next year. So it was anxiety levels. Wow. And then I started getting on more and more. And then I did Hollywood Minute. And then I started going this. And then we did movies. And then it was like, okay. By the time I left, I go, okay, I got something out of that. I didn't. Get what everyone got out of it, but I got second half, I did better. Then I got Just Shoot Me, and that was a big break. About halfway through Just Shoot Me, they picked it up for third season. I go, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. Really? I'm going to stay in this business. 
So how many years was that when you started? Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Mm, geez, I started at like 18, 19. I, I thought I was set when I was like, by the time I hit 30, I go, I'm at least going to do this forever. There's no turning back. And I got a little bit of money, which goes faster than I thought. Yes. But I so felt I, like- I want to give people hope here because it's 12 years and people don't, especially nowadays, when you look at everybody else's social media and there's so much immediacy, like, it, look, it took me 11 years I was making 9,450 bucks a year living in New York City, right? And before I finally got my first full-time job. And I just want people to understand that you got to be in it for the long grind, right? Oh, yeah. it took the you overnight success to... for us is 12 years. Yeah. It took you 14 to grow that goatee. So, oh, hey, um, hey. Hey. I threw that you're away. Really, Look down. You're really, talking, you're really talking to me about puberty? Seriously? I know. This is <laughs> this took nine years. And then now it's gray. And I'm like, why am I advertising I'm old? 
Look at this picture, Jay. Look at that. That's the old album. That's Sandler's first album. That's Sandler me. Rob Schneider. Yeah. I like it. Uh, That's an old good picture. So anyway, got that, did movies, and then, you know, it was, there's always a punch in the face along the way. I mean, it never, never seems to get easy, but from the outside, it looks good. And when you see Instagram and all that, I I would hate to be a kid where you have to have physical proof you're doing well like right? look i have a gucci bag look i have a rolls royce it's like fuck how does anyone have any money this, everything's so expensive now i can't believe it i don't know if i could have gotten through it but look i, uh, I somehow we would have found a way but man it's just having to yeah constantly prove things and show things when it's not real none of it's yeah. real right no one struggles anymore on instagram when the only way we get where you are is by struggling yeah adversity is a gift and people don't realize that anymore. It is. And there's a world now where I feel like the laws are a bit leaner, where they're not after everybody is hard and there's parents are looser. And I feel like there's not as much adversity because everyone's yeah. just sort of, I don't know. It's hard you to explain. Try, you could try for schools. You could. There's not enough resistance yeah. out there. You're like, we you break the law. You'll probably get away with it. Uh, and the parents will probably let you get away with this. And not everyone's because everyone's helicoptering. And it's just, there's something about, having a little bit of adversity that's absolutely there's so many stories about you know our sports stars where they got benched or didn't make it or something you know and mm-hmm. now it happens they just transfer right it's not like hey we're gonna oh yeah that, that is a new thing that is right yeah who's gonna transfer so the matt foley skit people don't know the story the backstory look i know cowbell is the greatest skit in, in snl history easy but man, i love i love the motivational speaker yeah, and I love I love the backstory. <laughs> People don't understand the backstory of what Laura Michaels actually did. But tell me, as you guys were doing this with with Chris Farley, oh, I hope this is the one I've told you because I lie so much. Well, <laughs> first of all, I love Cowbell. It's always hard to pick a, the best one because I do that podcast and we talk to people about their favorites. I mean, I was telling Rachel Dratch, Debbie Downer going to Disneyland is one of my top twenty sketches of all time, and it just there's so many. How do you rank them? Old SNL. Belushi, Living in know, a van could, down by the river oh, to me is my favorite. Yeah, my favorite. that one gets a lot of attention. So, so the, the couple things you tell, and I'm so I don't want. Yeah, to yeah, you tell me, but but no, how how it was passed on, and then how y'all got in trouble. Oh, okay, so it was it was passed on. It was brought. Bob Odenkirk brought it from Second City, and he was a writer. Oh, Bob Odenkirk, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, really. Know, better call Saul. Yeah, yeah, better call Saul. Wow. Okay, he wrote it. That's his baby. I had no idea. And uh, he was a feature player like me and a writer, but he didn't get enough breaks on us though. So was Conan O'Brien. He was there with me and he didn't get enough breaks. So we have great writing. We have Farley who's hysterical, the perfect character for him, that and Chippendales, but a motivational speaker when he does it, you know, so it finally gets on it. How many times has it passed over? I don't know. I think Bob said twice and then Bob left the show and the first Season back, he's gone. We do it. And wow. so I think Bob came in to oversee it or something. But so Farley pulling on his, you know, I think the story, you can tell me the parts I'm missing, but he was uh, pulling on his belt. He was doing stuff he didn't do in rehearsal. Okay. And Christina, who's, bless her heart, is great. And she Christina is Apple a host. Head, right? Yeah, Christina Applegate doesn't know what's going on, how to be in sketches. It's just like a whirlwind for her. Right. So we're just, but she can tell I can't even deal with it. And I'm supposed to be the seasoned, grizzled vet. And when Farley starts acting even more ridiculous, it just caught me off guard. And so I was kind of burying my head going, oh, my God, I can't laugh in a sketch. But it was so funny. And then it got her going. 
And then right. Farley just gets so juiced by that because <laughs> he wants to ruin the sketch and make everyone laugh. It turned out to be the funny thing is it's over and they're like, okay, now we're doing an update. Everyone get, and it's such a fast paced world without Instagram. You don't even hear if it's funny until the next day on Sunday, someone calls you and goes, you know, that one where Farley was acting like a goofball. That was really good. And we're like, yeah. And you realize you hear so much after that. Wow. And, and to this day, so you don't really know which ones are going to So you two are hysterical laughing, right? Oh, yeah, we're laughing, and, which the boss doesn't like. You know, Lauren right. is notoriously, they've lifted that in the, in the last couple of years, right. you know, that rule, because right. a lot of them. You're right, you're not allowed to laugh back then. Right? Yeah, and then you have to report to Lauren, and you know everyone's like, oh, you fucked up. You know, you cannot. And he tells you, don't laugh, we're not the Carol Burnett show. This isn't how we do it. This This is real and you know, that was like a crutch for them to laugh on Carol Burnett. But you I told me that there was a ramification. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me. He said he suspended you. He didn't suspend me. That was a little Tito's talking. Okay. I was shadow banned. You're it's not, the same thing. He pulled you he, off. Well, hey, right? you're not like your sketches aren't being picked for a little while. That's a suspension. Well, it's more, <laughs> but it wasn't shocking because I wasn't on the show that much. So it's like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. So you got punished for it for the well, greatest. There's, one of the greatest sketches of all time. There's a slight repercussions, but I remember one time Farley, when he had to pick me up and throw me through the table, I said, how are we going to do this? He goes, whatever happens, happens. I go, <laughs> okay, I guess it's not John Wick. We're not going to like go through the beats. So he picks me up, spins me the wrong way. We fall through the table and I hit my head and I go, oh, and then we, it goes to commercial. And he comes off. He goes, why did you act hurt? You ruined it. I go, I haven't heard you land on my head with your fat body. <laughs> And, and he, I go, you could have easily landed on you. Um, but I go, we should have done it once or just practice. Like, I'm going to turn you, fall through the table. Um, Wait, so did, did Lauren Michaels, though, once he got the feedback how great it was, did he rescind your, your what no, I say, suspension? I, no, I'm hyping it up. It was all good and fun. And uh, and Farley went on like a rocket ship. You know, that was, yes. that and Chippendales just put him in the stratosphere and it never turn back and then going on a Tommy boy and going on all those, they all just cemented him. Have you ever fully been able to process what happened to him? You know, I think those things are so final and it doesn't like with anybody, it doesn't hit you that it's fine. It's just so hard to believe that it's done. It's so hard to believe that it's over, you know, and uh, he would have had such a long, hopefully, I mean, he could have had anything he wanted uh, in this town of, you know, people were looking the other way for a long time. And that still happens. You know that, like, within anything. I remember one time, were you, do you remember, this is kind of changing something, but his brother was with us, who's kind oh, of yeah. the heavier well, dude. Rock and Riley's, who looks and, just like him, Kevin. And who was, was a T.O.? Someone was with you. Randy Moss. And what did he say? He saw me and him together. And we're all yep. eating, having lunch, watching football. And then out of the blue, he's like, Weren't you guys the guys from Tommy Boy or something? No, no, no. He was like, Jay, I love that guy over there, that motivational speaker. And I mean, he thought it was Chris. I, like, I think no, he's like, this. I'm his biggest fan. Yeah, I'm his, I think big- his <laughs> biggest fan would have known he died 10 years ago. <laughs> like, no, Randy, that's not, that's not Chris. Chris, don't you think I would have known some shit like that? Yeah, you think it would have. He's yeah. like, so you're telling me that motherfucker over there is not that guy from the motivational speaker. Exactly what I'm telling you. He goes, well, ain't that embarrassing? <laughs> <Something like> that. <laughs> it is. But you know what? He gets that more than you think. So right. I don't hold it against him. Oh, that was that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Your last question here. Yes. And I ask this from every guest. Yeah. Give me your unbreakable moment. 
the one thing in, in your life that should have broken, you didn't. And as a result, you came through the other side of that tunnel stronger forever. It's sort of a complex question. I would have to say, I would have to go with, I'll go with probably dad leaving. Hmm. Dad leaving when I was four. My brothers were six and eight. And that's a hard one. That's a very hard one. I didn't really even notice how hard it was because I had a lot of anger. It just came out in different ways with all of us. And when you want someone to rely on or you're sick when you're, 11 and you want to call your dad you can't he calls me when he wants you know he was around he just wasn't available and so that was a very tough one even throughout my life but I think in a world of like a a victim mentality I have to say I can't just talk about those things you have to just say here's the cards you're dealt and and go forward or not because no one's there to help you that's not everyone's job so if you want to move forward you got to take what happens and move forward. You can't just blame, blame, blame. I mean, it, it's easier said than done. And I, I have not done it perfectly, but I just realized it's either that or nothing. It was like the Joe Dirt movie. That was part of it going, you got to keep keep it on because what else are you going to do? So I had to do it. My mom luckily was so great and made up the best she could. So I owe her everything. But yeah, that was, that was it's, it, it bothered me, you know, for obviously for a long, long time. Yeah. Well, it, it, listen, it helps make you who you are. And that's, you know, our, our pain. And a lot of people have that. Yeah. What, what molds us into being as resilient as we are. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Brother, I appreciate you. All right. Thank you, you, brother. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, man. I, hey, I always know I can count on you. People again, you see him on camera and, you know, he's always laughing, joking, but he's also one of the most loyal people I've ever met my entire life. So love you, brother. Thank you for joining me. Good man. Thanks, pal. Talk Bye. to you later. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune into what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.